the book, book of Proverbs, chapter 21. And by way of introduction to this message that I'll share tonight, I'd like to give you a, a, a riddle, if you will. God created all of us with one of these. It moves. We individually use it every day. And it's a critical part in the most of our days. We critically use it while we're alive. Who, who, who can guess what this thing is? It is. It's the tongue, that's right. The organ of speech. Yep. Notice verse 23 in chapter 1. Good guess. (laughs) Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Let's pray and get into the message. Father in heaven, Lord God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for your word, for the guidance that it gives us. Thank you for directing our steps and ordering our thoughts, Father. Thank you for your salvation, this free gift of eternal life through your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. And we do pray that you'd continue to help us, Lord, understand your word pertaining to this little member that we all have. And I pray that you'd give me wisdom and that you'd be with my mind and that you'd be with my mouth. I do love you, Lord, and do commit this time before you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So most of our problems that we have or will have in our life is due to the fact that we don't tame our tongue or control it like we should. And the book of Proverbs has much to say about the way we employ our tongues and throughout the entire uh, Bible, we have examples both both positive and negative uh, pertaining to this little member as well as commands given in the New Testament for us uh, being the, the church of God pertaining to the tongue. The wisdom of God declares to us that we all have a choice in how we use our tongues every day. I'd like to share two main points from this proverb that we've read together. Uh, we see a personal responsibility and a painful reality. So we'll look at the first together. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue. So we see this word used, whoso, which is any and every person. And whoso keepeth, the Bible says, his mouth and his tongue. Keepeth means to guard or to be careful, to protect, to reserve and preserve. And this word has the idea of exercising great care and watchfulness over the use of our mouths and our tongues. Elsewhere, this word is translated beware in Genesis 24, when Abraham sends his servant to go find a wife for his son, Isaac. He says beware. And another place it's found is in Exodus 19 verse 12, and it's translated there, take heed. And uh, take heed meaning to take caution, to give attention to, to notice to observe and to attend to. And so in the context in Exodus, God is instructing Moses to set bounds round about the people that they don't go to Mount Sinai or touch the border of it. And God said in that text, whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. And so if they weren't careful to keep themselves and be careful and guard and, and beware or take heed, they would actually die in Exodus 19. And this same word is used in our text, whoso keepeth 
his mouth. And it brings about a sober, serious warning to us. Uh, turn to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 3. And the Bible says here, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. So one Bible commentator said, a, a guard upon the lips is a guard to the soul. He that is cautious, that thinks twice before he speaks once, that if he have thought evil, lays his hand upon his mouth to suppress it, that keeps a strong bridle on his tongue and a strict hand on that bridle, he keeps his soul from a great deal, both of guilt and grief, and saves himself the trouble of many bitter reflections on himself and reflections upon others. Uh, so if you want to turn to the book of James, we'll have a look there. In our proverb, we see it talks about guarding our tongue. But in James chapter 3, we'll have a look here. James talks about controlling our tongue. And you'll notice he uses two illustrations, pictures that he gives starting from verse 2 we read for in many things we offend all if any man offend not in word the same is a perfect man mature man able also to bridle the whole body behold we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body so here he shows a picture of a horse rider with holding vigilantly tight these reins that's connected to a bridle that's in the horse's mouth. And if he tugs to the left, the whole horse's face would turn to the left and his whole body would veer and be guided to the left or to the right, vice versa. So he uses this illustration. And then verse 4, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds. Yet are they turned about... With a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And look where he goes with using these two illustrations in verse 5. He says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And um, James, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he uses the horse and the ship tossed about in these fierce winds. And he uses these pictures to actually show that this little wheel, little helm, and this little bridle that controls the horse. And then he applies that and he uses that to then make us aware of the fact that the way we use our tongues controls us and it can actually defile the whole body. And, then, and uh, what comes out of the mouth first comes out of the heart and the root problem is the heart. We see Jesus teach this in Matthew 15, verse 18. Jesus taught those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness and blasphemies. And Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew 12 that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. In verse 36, he says, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. 
And one Bible commentator says, By a constant watchfulness over our words, we shall prevent abundance of mischiefs which an ungoverned tongue runs men into. Keep thy heart, and that will keep thy tongue from sin. Keep thy tongue, and that will keep thy heart from trouble. And in the Proverbs, the wisdom of God says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. Who can remember the next part of that proverb? That's right. Yes, that, that coincides with our main proverb. Out of, the, out of it are the issues of life. So if we, don't, if we don't keep our heart, there's no way in the world we're going to keep our tongue. If we're not guarding our heart and bringing it in submission to the, the will of God and in the fear of God, there's no way uh, our mouths and our tongues will be likewise the same. James chapter 1, he says in verse 26, if you want to turn there, just one page prior to where we're at in our Bibles, he says in verse 26 of chapter 1, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And then he goes on to actually say what pure, pure religion and undefiled is. But this leads to our second point that we not only see a personal responsibility given to us, but we see a painful reality. And our main proverb, it says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. And so the painful reality is trouble. And the proverbs serve as a warning to us that there's many troubles, there's afflictions, there's adversities, there's tribulations that come if we don't intentionally, purposefully and, and consciously guard or keep our mouths and our tongues. And so this, this word trouble is used elsewhere across the Bible as these other terms relating to trouble. And we find that an unkept and untamed tongue can first bring trouble to self. That's the immediate uh, context, what we see in the, in the proverb. Proverbs 18 verse 7 says that a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 10 verse 19 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that reframeth his lips is wise. And so one commentator on this, he said, For many people, the more they talk, the more they will sin. <laughs> there is much more potential sin in talking than in listening. And it's so true. One of the ways we can keep ourselves from sin at times, uh, offending God and others, is to keep our mouths from speaking. And so, verse 29, chapter 29, sorry, verse 20, says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And how often times do you get it on the street before... You know, trying to reach people with our words uh, for Christ, and they just they're hasty in their words. Oh, I live as it comes. Oh, I'll deal with it then. I'll cross the bridge when I get to it. You know, they're so hasty with what they say, and they don't even consider the fact that they're rebels against God, and they're going to stand before Him one day and give an account. And that's that's what we're we're there to help them see their need for Christ. And but they're they're rash. With their mouth. But Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, 
and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. And uh, turn to Proverbs 6. We'll look at this. This is very sobering. In Proverbs chapter 6, we see how people can actually use their tongues and move their mouths to commit wickedness that God absolutely abhors and hates. In Proverbs 6, look at verse 16. Verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Verse 19, A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. So amongst these three of the six abominations here have to do with the use of our tongue. 50% of what God hates is, is how people move their tongues and what they do with their tongue. So I'd like to bring to your attention, having seen this, that two of the Ten Commandments actually deal with this admonition. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. How do people do that? With their mouth. With their mouth, with their words. And thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbour. How do people do that? With their lips. The Bible declares that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And this is sobering and, and serious, to say the least. And if you've, if you've committed these sins of the mouth, then, as our proverb says, it brings trouble to our soul. We, we've, our soul is in trouble with God. If you've committed these particular sins, you're in trouble with God and will be held accountable for it in that day of judgment. And, uh, and you are in desperate need of salvation and divine mercy and grace from God. It's offered freely through God the Son, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. For on that cross, He was punished for, for you as if He said your lies, as if He said your blasphemies, and as if He said your curse words, as if He said your false accusations and slandering and murmuring and gossiping and tail-bearing, backbiting. It's almost as if Christ said your sins of the mouth when he hung on that cross he became sin for us and he laid down his life and was condemned to die on that cross not only for the sins of our mind and the sins of our manner but the, the sins of our mouth and i thank god that their pardon was multiplied to me there my burden and soul found there at, at calvary i thank god for that that when i came by faith and bowed my head and heart and I called on the Lord. He, he, heard, he heard my cry. And he had grace. And he had love and mercy abundantly, freely. And he bestowed it. And that day, when I called on the Lord, I was saved. And he redeemed my soul. Glory to God. I thank the Lord for that. That us who have received Christ here today, listening to this, as our personal saviour, we have our sins forgiven and they're forgotten. As far as the east is from the west, and they're nailed to his cross. And they're remembered no more. We that have believed on the Lord, we now belong to the Lord. And he's, he's washed away our sin. Think about that. He's washed away our sin and he's accredited to us the righteousness of Christ as given to us. Well, what a transaction. 
What a wonderful thing. And I praise God that Romans 5, verse 1, it says there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. And so if, 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 if the children listening to this are not in Christ, I, I plead with you to come to Christ. Believe on the Lord. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's where it begins. It's wonderful. And now, blessed be his name, he gives us his word that we can renew our minds in how he'd have us use this tongue that he did give us. And we not only see in Proverbs 21 that our words bring trouble to self, for without Christ we're all deserving of, of, of hellfire. But throughout the book of Proverbs we find that, that the sins of the tongue we're to veer away from to actually bring trouble to others as well. And so firstly, if you want to go to Proverbs 29... We'll look at this here. Our words can be ensnaring to other people. Proverbs 29 verse 5 says, A man that flattereth his neighbour spreadeth a net for his feet. And an example of this is the strange woman. What did she use? The flattering of her lips. She forced him. And he, and he knew not that it was for his life and her, her feet her house is the way to hell going down in the chambers of death she used her very words to entice and ensnare the man's soul and and today flattery is heard all the time you know people give common commendations and that gratify itself and it's and, and it might not even be true and and it, we hear it all the time social media radio uh, marketing ads and TV and all the rest, but there's, there's flattery uh, and the list goes on where, where you can hear flattering words to entice you to spend your money on something you don't even need. And so there's nothing new under the sun. People today, they, 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 they're, they're flattered by these things. And all throughout the gospel accounts in the scriptures, the tri- chief priests, the scribes and Pharisees, they would... They sought to bait and trap our Saviour and catch him in his words. They'd try and spread a net for his feet and how he would respond. They would try and catch him in his words. So they would bait and trap. And so, secondly, we find our words can be both hurtful and harmful. Turn to Proverbs 18. That worldly proverb, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie of the devil. It really is. Because the Bible teaches the complete opposite. Words hurt. And, the, and wounds that they inflict, they can take a while to recover. Notice verse 8. Proverbs 18 verse 8. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And notice the descriptions that the psalmist gives about how harmful the tongue can be for the sake of time. I'll I'll quote these. But he says in Psalm 52, Thy tongue devises mischiefs like a sharp sword, a sharp razor working deceitfully. Have you ever cut yourself with a sharp razor? Shaving or what would have you? It it hurts. And And he likens that to the tongue that devises mischiefs. And he says, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. So here he compares how men use their tongues to three different types of weapons. 
that they, they, they pierce, they stab, and they destroy. They cut down. And evil men use their tongue to falsely accuse the, the godly and the righteous men that have gone before us to hinder and even stop the work of God. In, we see that in the scriptures. Uh, for example, Nehemiah, leading, rebuilding Jerusalem's walls, men tried to stop him through their false accusations and letters and so forth. And men tried to overthrow the Apostle Paul's authority that came from the highest authority, came from God himself. And he had to defend his apostleship, and we see that in the New Testament too. Uh, in Proverbs 26, verse 24, says, He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. If you want to turn there, our words can be insincere and fake, double-tongued and deceptive, hiding what's really in our hearts toward the person we're speaking to. Notice verse 25. He says, when he speaketh fair, believe him not. Why? What? Well, that's right. Seven abominations. That's a strong word. Abominations in his heart. And again, what, what we speak, it first proceeds out of the heart. And Proverbs 12, verse 5. If you want to turn there. <clears throat> Proverbs 12 verse 5 says the thoughts of the righteous are right but the counsels of, of the wicked are deceit and Paul says in Romans 3 their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit the poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness and and reason being, I believe, there's so many evil things come out of people's mouths is because the fear of God isn't before their eyes. And Paul lists that in that same passage. Later on, the fear of God is not before their eyes. Fourthly, our, our words can be corrupt and cancerous to our Christian life and hinder our spiritual growth in godliness. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he says, Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbour, for we are members one of another. Verse 29, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. And this listed straight after that verse, it, it, it gives me the indication that corrupt speech and communication that comes out of our mouth, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives. And, and this can cause us to be out from under the influence of the Spirit and in the flesh exhibiting the works of the flesh. And Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's a, it's a wicked thing to be in the flesh. It's, it's disgusting. And it's, it's manifest by, by our mouth and our manner of speech. Once words are said, they, they can't be unsaid. And so it's, it's a wise thing to think twice and speak once. Uh, one of the Bible study Bibles I use, it says, uh, words are powerful and how you use them 
reflects on your relationship with God. That perhaps nothing is so, so identifies Christians as their ability to control their speech. So then how does, you know, seeing all these, four, just four things out of many, how we ought not to use our tongues, how does God want us to use them? The, you know, the godly use of the tongue. Well, first and foremost, it's to call upon and confess to the Lord our faults and our sin in this area, because there's no doubt we, we definitely have sinned in this area. We're, we're very quick and hasty to speak many a times. In Psalm 41 verse 4, the, the psalmist said, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. And John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. To, that's right, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so being broken over our loose tongues, just meaningless muttering, being broken over that and, and confessing to the Lord, it's a good place to start. Amen. Amen. Casting all your care upon him, for, for he careth for you. That's right, he does. Number two, we can, we can speak the statutes of God. We, we can. Psalm 119, verse 13. The psalmist said, With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. Show, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. For I trust in thy word. And look what he says in verse 43. I take, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped in thy judgments. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and not be ashamed. And that ought to char- characterize a Christian, amen. To speak in the word of God boldly with, with utterance by the grace of God through the spirit of God. And we, we ought not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Christians are to be filled and saturated with the Word of God in order to have biblical responses uh, to the trials that we're yet to run into in our life, as well as give biblical answers to others, especially if we're out on the streets with gospel tracts. But at the same time, knowing when to use wisdom and to speak not in the ears of a fool, because you will despise the wisdom of your words. That's what the proverb says too. So there's... There's so much wisdom from the Proverbs, how to, how to speak, when to speak, uh, the right timing, place, right person. And I thank God that he uses his word and the spirit of God and, and he reminds us when we, when we get washed and sanctified by the word of God. It's wonderful. It, Colossians 4 says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt separated from the world, we ought not to sound like the world, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And so there comes the you know, biblical response according to wisdom. Proverbs 15, verse 23, if you want to turn there. Proverbs 15. In the Proverbs, it talks about responding as well. Verse 23, the Bible says here, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? 
it's when when it's honest, it's helpful, it's spoken at the right time in a person's life to meet a particular need, and there's a word fitly spoken it to you at a time. How good is it? But for me, that was when I heard the gospel and I got saved. <laughs> it was wonderful, <laughs> fitly spoken at the right time. <laughs> yeah, and the Lord used it, and I can re- yeah repent and believe the gospel and called on the Lord. And that was wonderful. And we ought to aim to, to glorify and please our Heavenly Father both with our responses and replies to others. And that leads me to the, the third point, how God wants us or would have us to use our tongues. It's to publish the glorious gospel and to tell how great things the Lord's done for us. And he's had compassion on our soul. It should be said of us like it was said of that man possessed with a legion of devils. <laughs> the Bible says he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. <laughs> and he had a legion of devils in him before. <laughs> and now everyone, and, and the Bible says all men did marvel. <laughs> this guy was just not in his right mind, not clothed. You know, and, 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 and he, yeah, the Lord had compassion and he went and published it. How do you think he did that? Didn't have gospel tracks. He had his lips. <laughs> yeah. Our bonds are loosed. And so we're, we're saved to speak about it and share about it. And I thank God for that, that we're ambassadors for Christ. And turn to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 verse 4. The Bible says here, The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. One commentator of the Bible said regarding this text, there is a spring of wisdom and knowledge in him, a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life, and from thence it flows freely and constantly, communicating itself liberally unto others and ministering grace to the hearers for their edification. When we have been taught wisdom from God, we can impart wisdom to others with the help of God and through the Spirit of God. And it was said of Christ, I love this phrase, never man spake like this man. It was spoke of Christ like this. As you read the scriptures in the Gospels, do you often stop and wonder how Christ would have said what we read in that particular situation, whether he's talking to the uh, the woman at the well or talking to the Pharisees or to the lame and the, the sickly and, and the, or, you know, the leprous and all the rest. How he, he's, you know, his discourses to the multitudes, his parab- parabolic teachings, his uh, divine rebukes. What, what, a, what a wonder that would have been to be there and listen to the, the speech audibly you know, of Christ in, in person. The word manifest in the flesh. What, what, even how he would have authoritatively proclaimed judgment upon unrepentant, wicked city, witty, uh, cities that were in unbelief, and how he would have prayed in in the garden, and just in agony and earnest to God all night. It it, it would have been a a sight. What, what, what wonder, what, what wisdom, what a saviour that we have. Warren Weasby said, The Lord is blameless in what he is, righteous in what he does, 
and truthful in what he says. And that's how we ought to be, amen, endeavour to be more like our Saviour in all things. Proverbs 17, turn a page over, notice verse 7. Excellent speech, the Bible says here, becometh not a fool. And so excellent has the idea here of being like of great virtue, great importance, great value, worth or useful words, useful speech. Excellent speech becometh not a fool. And so we ought to have this this grace uh, fitted in our lips uh, by the word of God and wisdom of God. And fourthly, we can sing the statutes of God. They give us a song. They put a new song in our lips. It's a wonderful thing. Psalm 119 verse 54 says, Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. They, they, it brings sweetness to the soul. The Word of God does. And, and, and when they're in our hearts, they can outflow in our praise to God. I oftentimes find myself singing Psalm 119, what I know of it. Uh, that, yeah, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. And then he says, with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Psalm 119 verse 7, he says, I'll praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Learning from God produces praise to God. I've found that in my Christian life. When when we sit under the word and expose our hearts and minds to it, it produces just thanks and praise and reverence to God. It really does. And And the Proverbs speak of many things, again, about correcting your child not speaking in the ears of a fool, uh, reproving others, a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. It talks about a soft answer that turns away wrath. It, it, to tell the right person about a certain matter, to think before you speak and, and so forth. And so, yeah, I encourage you to go and let me just flick through the Proverbs. Proverbs 25 has a lot to say about the tongue as well as Proverbs 15. Both of them have, have much. And uh, so to apply, to help us to apply this, this wisdom of God, the question is then, how do we keep our mouths and our souls from trouble? How, how do we do it? Notice verse uh, Psalm 141, if you want to turn there in your Bible. Psalm 141. I believe this is where it ought to start. That we share this same petition of the psalmist in verse 3. Well, we'll start from verse 1 actually. He says, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Notice verse 3 now. He says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. He's asking God to intervene and, <laughs> and to set a watch. But be the guard of my mouth, Lord. He's, he's showing utter dependence upon God in this area for help. Because there's no doubt we, we can't do it on our own. 
And uh, history proves itself to be true. And purposing in our hearts, like the psalmist, look at Psalm 17. So not only asking God, having this petition, set a watch, O Lord, but purposing it in our hearts. Similar to how Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. We see this in a similar fashion in the Psalms. Psalm 17. Notice verse verse 3. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. Why won't the Lord find anything in the psalmist? He says, I'm purpose that my mouth shall not transgress concerning the works of men by the word of thy lips the lips the word of God I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer hold up my going my goings in thy paths that my footsteps slip not I have called upon thee for thou wilt hear me O God incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech Show thy marvellous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from the deadly enemies who compass me about. They are enclosed in their own fat, with their mouth they speak proudly. And so this this psalmist here, he purposed that he would not transgress with his mouth. Notice Psalm 119. Oh, sorry, Psalm 39. Turn there. Psalm 39. Verse 1, the psalmist says here, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. So in this petition, the psalmist ties together our main proverb, Proverbs 21 verse 23 and James chapter 3. You've got the keeping and the guarding of the mouth, and then you've got the bridling and the controlling of the mouth come together. Notice in Psalm 119, you want to turn there and have a look. Job said, My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Job is another man that purposed that his lips would not transgress or speak any wickedness. And we know how, how Job is the biography that God gives to Job in the beginning. Psalm 119 verse 30. The psalmist says, I've chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I've stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. 
and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yeah, I shall observe it with my whole heart. And it, so we've got the psalmist here, and he's choosing the way of truth. How many people know the way of truth, but they don't choose it? But how, how many believers know what they ought to be doing, but they don't do it? I believe by the grace of God and humility of heart, we, we, we all ought to exercise our little member called the tongue unto godliness by these, these wonderful passages and that we, we'd be just mould, clay, soft, and God would continue to refine us in this area. In submission to the Lord, remaining in the fear of the Lord, and speaking according to his word, I, I believe if our hearts are in the right place, God is able to help us to do that. It would be a shame for us to be hearers of the word and not doers, and deceiving our own selves. And I hope and pray that this renews our minds and thinking and understanding, and it refreshes us that we'd all come to purpose in our hearts before God, not to transgress with our mouths like the psalmist and like Job and like these other just men of the past and if we do uh, transgress with our lips I praise God that we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous and, and we ought to be sensitive and to confess and forsake and be sensitive to sin and may God help us always be sensitive to sins in our own life first and foremost and that we'd conform to his will and we'd conform our will to his will in this particular area and incline our hearts to his word. That we'd be a people who'd bring him glory with our lips and not shame or blaspheme the name of God. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, oh Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your truth and endures forever. We thank you, Father, for the wisdom that you give us. Thank you for the Proverbs. Thank you for the book of James. Thank you for these passages and pictures, illustrations that you give us, Lord, pertaining to this little member. I pray that you'd teach us yet more and more how to be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And Lord, that you'd help us to uh, be refined and perfected in, in this area, Lord. We use this tongue every day of our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide us and remind us of these uh, powerful principles, Lord, and help us to uh, surrender our, 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 our way and our will to yours, Lord, for its best. Mm. We're so thankful, Father, that we can confess to you and, and, and call upon you. We're thankful, Lord, that you're rich in mercy to all that do come to you by faith. And I pray that you'd give us the grace... Help us to be testimonies and witnesses uh, for Christ uh, with our lips, Lord, and that we'd not bring you shame or reproach, Father. We do love you, Lord, and do want to be uh, perfected and conformed into the image of your Son. Help us to be like him in this area, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.